Amen. If you have your Bibles or Bible app, turn to Psalm 127. That's chapter 127, Psalm 127. Uh, today we're going to take a break from our series, Authentic, from the book of 1 John, and we'll resume that next Sunday, okay? Uh, today is a day that we, that we set aside, right, to recognize and to celebrate and honor our fathers. Uh, fatherhood, say fatherhood, encompasses biological fathers, stepfathers, single fathers, foster fathers, adoption fathers, godfathers, spiritual fathers, and, and grandfathers. Uh, so happy Father's Day to all the fathers here at Cry Out Christian Fellowship and all the fathers who are watching online. So let's thank God for them. Come on. Amen. It has been six years, uh, just about six years now, that my, my, my daddy has gone on to be with Jesus, and uh, I miss him so much. Uh, he has been, uh, made such an impact in my life. He was such a man of, of integrity, a godly man who loved Jesus. Um, man, his work ethic was off the charts. Just one of the hardest working um, person, man, that I've ever seen in my life. An amazing man. I, I just miss him greatly. I've been thinking about him all week. And so um, I just thank God for him and how he has influenced my life. Now, I realize that this could be a very difficult day for some of you, perhaps, uh, your father is no longer here. Perhaps your relationship with your father is strained. I don't know. Perhaps your father is physically present in your life, but absent uh, in loving, encouraging, and spiritually leading your life. Perhaps you don't know your father. But I'm reminded what Psalm 68 verse 5a says. Psalmist says, God is a father to the fatherless. Can someone say Amen. And, you know, God is, God is a caring father. He's a compassionate father. He's a consistent father. He's a close father. He's a capable father. Amen. He's a father to the fatherless. Uh, the title of my message today is God and Family. Everyone say that. More enthusiasm. God and Family. Now, now Psalm 127, our text today, and the next chapter over Psalm 128, are speaking about the family unit. And friends, the Bible is very clear that the husband, the father, is head of the home. And he is to be the protector, the provider, the moral and spiritual leader in the home. Now, this doesn't mean that the man is more special or more valuable or more important or more smarter or better than the woman. Uh, the Bible is very clear that men and women are equal in God's eyes. You believe that? Say amen. They are equal in God's eyes, but listen now, they are different in function. In function. And God has placed the man as the head of the home to lead the family spiritually. And you'll find that in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, and also in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. Go home and read that. And there are many more scriptures that, that speak of that. So I want to say this. If you are a single mom uh, you, um, and you are raising your, your kids, uh, you have the responsibility to be the head of your home and to lead them spiritually. And to the single moms who are doing that, I tip my hat off to you, and I thank God for you. And everyone said, Amen. There are three uh, great institutions that God has ordained here on this earth, the home slash the family, uh, the church, and the government. And the oldest and greatest of these three institutions is the home, right? It's, it's the family. And listen, the church is a, a great institution, uh, but it's only as great as it's what? as its homes, as its families, and therefore our nation is only as great as its churches. It's like that saying, right, um, as the home goes, so goes the church, and as the church goes, so goes the what? Nation. Uh, today's message is, is short, uh, to the point, because I know you guys want to go out and do some things with your fathers, 
Uh, it's a psalm that is directed to parents. Say parents. Okay, to the father and mother of a family. And the emphasis, uh, though, will be on the emphasis, though, it will be on Father's Day. The emphasis, excuse me, is going to be on Father's Day because um, fathers are called to be the head of the home, right? Uh, to lead the family spiritually. And this is such a, a great text as well for Father's Day. So if you want to follow me, if you're ready, say yes. Uh, six points. Number one is this the construction. Say that. The construction. The construction. Write that down and we'll look at verse 1a. And by the way, Solomon's the one that wrote this, this psalm. Verse 1a, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. And you can tell, as I said, Solomon wrote this because in the book of Ecclesiastes, if you've read that or studied that, he uses the word vanity or vain quite often. And he tried to find, we know this right about him, he tried to find happiness and fulfillment in so many things. He tried to find, find it by furthering his education, by experimenting, Menting with sex, getting drunk, uh, getting more stuff. But he finally wised up and came to the conclusion that apart from God, apart from God, he would never be happy and fulfilled. Right? And the only thing that brought him happiness and fulfillment was getting his life right with God. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, uh, verse 13, chapter 12 is the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter Fear God, say fear God, and keep his commandments. Love that, for this is the whole duty of man. So Solomon knew that apart from God, everything he did was a waste of time. It was in vain. Now, I want you to notice the text uh, that there's two builders here. First of all, the primary builder is, is God. Say God. Let's look at the text again. Unless the Lord, who? The Lord builds the house. So God himself, he desires to be involved in every aspect of our lives, right? I mean, including our home. The secondary builder are the parents. It says it's builders, right? It's builders speaking of the parents. You see, there is a partnership here. We are co-laborers with God when it comes to laying the foundation for the home. Can I get an amen? And God does his part as a father, right? And we do our part. Right? God does this part as the heavenly father, and we as parents do our part. Fathers, we do our parts as earthly fathers. And we just don't sit and do nothing and expect God to do everything. We have a God, right? We have a God-given role, a God-given responsibility to be involved in building a strong foundation for our home. And we do this, listen, fathers, we do this by following God, by putting God's word into practice, and by praying, and by submitting our lives to him. Let's read the text again. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor what? In vain. The word vain there means useless, or valueless, or meaningless, or worthless, or empty. And here Solomon speaks of the vain attempt. This is what he's, what he's, what he's doing here. He's speaking of the vain attempt to build a house within ourselves. Okay? of the vanity of a home built apart from God. That unless God builds it, the effort is all in vain. That's what he's saying, right? And the house will not stand. Listen, fathers, it's, it's utterly vain if God is not the primary builder of our home, if he's not at the center of every single thing that you and I do. Everything that we do, listen now, will be utterly vain 
unless God is the one who builds our home. Unless God is involved in building our home. Now listen, if God isn't consulted and allowed to build our homes, friends, our families, our lives, according to his word and his will, our labor will end in vanity, in vain. And you see, the most crucial factor in building a godly home, a godly family, is to walk in genuine humility before the living God. And friends, listen, dads, it's an attitude of the heart. An attitude, right? An attitude. The heart that we know that apart from God, it's knowing apart from God, everything that you and I do is in vain. If We do it apart from him. We need him involved in our lives. Can I get amen? Here's a lesson. Ready? The builder minus God builds in vain. The builder minus God builds in vain. Listen, fathers, we need to recognize, and, and I love this, our absolute need for God. And I don't know about you, dads, but I need God in my life. Amen? And we must live with that attitude, that mindset, that, listen, friends, that we need God. It's an absolute, amen? And if God is not in it, behind it, if he's not central to our lives and our homes, it's all, Solomon says, it's all in vain. We must allow God to be the master builder to build our home according to his design, right? His way, his word. Got it? So there's the construction. We are co-laborers, fathers, with God, and we build together. Amen? We can't build it by ourselves. We need God. Someone say amen. Say the construction. Number two is the protection. Write that down. The protection, write that down. We'll look at verse 1b. Verse 1b. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in what? In vain. So, so we need to see the picture that Solomon is painting here. He speaks in larger terms, dealing with the entire city, but the principle remains the same. I mean, think about it. What's a city? It's a collection of homes, right? A city is a collection of, of families. In fact, there's a collection of homes and families right now in this place, in this sanctuary, right? So the picture here is where there is a collection of families and homes that there is an enemy, listen now, an enemy that is trying to invade them, that they are in an atmosphere of warfare and that danger is lurking. So there has to be watchmen, Solomon says, gatekeepers that are put up on the walls looking for the advance and the surprise attack of the enemy so that they could sound the trumpet and sound the alarm to warn the families so that the families could be protected on the inside of the walls. Solomon's point, though, is this. It's not enough to just have human watchmen who are sounding the trumpet, who are sounding the alarm to tell you when there are advances of the enemy that would come against your family that their keeping watch would not ensure, Solomon's saying, would not ensure the safety and survival of the city. Solomon says this. Ultimately, say ultimately, it's God who guards the city. Amen? And God would have to cover the city with his presence and his protection if they were to survive the attacks of the enemy. And that those who seek, listen to what he's, he's saying here, those who seek 
to defend their lives within their own means and their own strength and their own abilities, watch and labor in vain. Got it? Look at the text. Unless the Lord watches over the city. Unless who? Okay, the watchmen. Great, you're there. Watchmen, right? The watchmen guard in vain. So God's got to be involved, right? So here's a lesson. God must guard my home. Simple lessons, but profound, right? God must, God, excuse me, must guard my home. And I want to tell you, friends, everything that God builds, Satan will attack it. Are you guys with me? God is the greatest home builder, home builder that there is, and Satan is the greatest home destroyer that there is. I mean, just look at today's world. Look at today's culture. The family is under attack. And listen, fathers, this is why we need to be careful what we allow into our homes, what we allow our children to watch, to listen to, what kind of friends they hang out with. Today's culture, this evil world system, right, is anti-parental authority, is anti-parental rights. Today's culture, this evil world system is coming after our kids through social media, through movies, through entertainment, and through education. And it's constantly trying to rob them of God's best. And what it does, this culture and this evil world system wants to absorb them to think like it, to act like it, to talk like it, and to live like it. And fathers, I want to tell you, we need God's presence and protection if we are if we are to survive the attacks of the enemy. Amen? We can't do it by ourselves. We need God in our lives. We need to let God have his rightful place in our hearts, his rightful place in our homes. We need to be, listen now, we need to be in the word daily, prayed up, having godly standards in the home, and being an example of those godly standards. And have the spiritual guts, fathers, to stand up for the truth. And I want to tell you, dads, listen, fathers, every single day, we must clothe ourselves with the armor of God. Amen? If God, if God has not allowed his rightful place within our hearts, within our homes, the home will be overcome by the enemy. And the home can be damaged and ruined by, by sin. You guys with me? Say the construction. Say the protection. Number three is the satisfaction. Write that down. The satisfaction. Look at verse two with me. In vain. There's that word again. In vain. You rise early and stay up late. In other words, it's vain to rise up early and to retire late. Toiling for food. To eat. Now, the King James renders it like this, to eat the bread of sorrows. The New American Standard Bible renders it like this, to eat the bread of painful labor. You know what that's talking about? Stress. Stress. You guys with me? Okay. First of all, let me tell you what Solomon is not saying. He's not saying that it's wrong to work hard. You guys with me? He's not demeaning hard work. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, we went through that, right? Not too long ago. He commends hard work. He commends those with diligent hands who work hard. If you're safe, say amen. We ought to be working hard at work. And you've heard me say this many times. 
Christians should be the most efficient, hardest working people in the workplace. And we ought to be known as much for our perspiration, right, as much as our inspiration. So what is Solomon saying here? He's simply saying good things could become bad things when we have misplaced priorities. Good things, so now, could become bad things when we as fathers have misplaced priorities. Let me put it this way. You've heard me say this many times. A good thing could become a bad thing if it keeps you from the right thing. Got it? A good thing could become a bad thing if it keeps you from the right thing. And you see, listen now, listen, dads, fathers. You can get up early to go to work and work late to provide for your family, but you're gone more and more and more trying to provide trying to provide for your family, when in reality, what they need more than the things that you can provide for them is what money cannot buy. They need you. They need you. Look at the text again. The end of the text, toiling for food to eat, to eat the bread of sorrow, to eat the bread of painful labor. What Solomon is saying is you're so stressed out because you're working and working and working that that you're no good for your family. You're so stressed and tired, you cannot pour into your family. It's painful, why? Because it's taking you away from your family. It's taking you away from your home. And the family suffers. Listen, fathers, it's not worth it. Say it's not worth it. It's not worth it, okay, to have a nicer home or a newer car or other things if it means that you're so stressed out not spending quality and quantity time with your kids, with your wife, with your family. Listen, work and acquiring stuff should never, say never, be more important, more valuable than your family. So here's a lesson. You ready for the lesson? There needs to be a balance between work and the home. There needs to be a balance between work and the home. Our family, dads, fathers, our family needs our precious time, not our spare time. Right? You know what? No one, no one, okay, on their deathbed ever said, I wish I would have spent more time at work and more time on my career. No. And too many parents, even Christian parents, Parents put their careers ahead of their children. And you see, we can work our fingers to the, to the bone seven days a week and still not find genuine satisfaction. And Solomon is saying those with misplaced priorities face long, worrisome days and sleepless nights. Let's look at the text. Because there's good news here. For he grants sleep to those he loves. You see that? He grants sleep to those he loves. He grants, in other words, he grants sleep to those who put their priorities in order. Who have allowed God to build their homes. Who put God first place in their lives. Right? And so those who put their priorities in order, those who have allowed God to build their homes, enjoy sleep through the night. They enjoy comfort and satisfaction. From God. 
They're not trying to burn the candle at both ends. Listen, God wants us to work. Say, say amen. And to work hard, not overwork, but to work hard. But he also wants to give you and I, dads, rest. Amen? So let's make sure we have our priorities in order. Say, say the construction. Come on. Say the protection. Say the satisfaction. Number four is the provision. Write that down. Say that. The provision. And we're going to look at verse 3 now. Write that down. The provision. And then Solomon writes, sons, verse 3, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. So what Solomon does here, Solomon speaks of the great blessing of children within the home. And he recognizes the miraculous provision, say provision, of God in giving children. And what he does, he affirms that they are a gift from God, they are a heritage of the Lord, that these children that God gives, they are of great value. Say great value. Psalm 128, chapter 128, just the chapter next over. Verse 3b, look at that, you're right there. It says, your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. And what the psalmist does here, he likens children to olive shoots or olive trees. Why? Because while olive plants and olive trees can provide fruit and income for 20 to 30 generations. You see, in the, in the Holy Land, a person who owned olive plants or olive trees owned something of great value. You had something of great value. So children, what, what he's driving at here, children have great value. Amen? They're a heritage. They're, they're a blessing, not a burden. I know sometimes they feel like they're a burden, but they're not. They're a blessing, not a burden. They're assets, not liabilities. They're rewards, say reward, from God. Therefore, we need to treasure them. We need to value them. Amen? So how do we do this, dads? How do we do this, parents? Well, talk to them. Spend time and talk to them. Tell them how precious and valuable they are to you. Tell them that, that you love them, right? Spend time and time, quality and quantity time with them. Hug them and kiss them. Encourage them. Be there for them. Pray with them. Share God's word with them. You want to value your kids? Huh? Be a godly example. That's how you value them. Amen? You want to value your kids? Lovingly discipline them. Because they need correction. They need instruction. They need guidance. And the parent who doesn't discipline their kids, lovingly discipline their kids, doesn't really value them. If you value, if we value our kids, we'll correct them. Amen? So they're precious. They're precious. Amen? And we are to value them. The provision that God has given us, we are to value them. Point number five. Here we go. The instruction. Say that. The instruction. Look at verse four with me. The instruction. The construction. Protection, satisfaction, provision. Number five is the instruction. Look at verse four with me now. I love this one. The arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. So children are a great blessing, right? We know that, right? We just covered that, a gift 
from God, heritage, but with that great blessing and gift comes what? A great responsibility, right? And you see, as the fathers, as the head of the home, as the spiritual leaders of the home, God has placed our children into our care. And therefore, listen, dads, we are responsible to train them and shape them. Got it? Train them and shape them. Listen, it's, it's, not, it's not the Sunday school's teacher's responsibility. It's not the youth pastor's responsibility. It's not even the pastor's responsibility. It's our responsibility to train and to shape our kids. Now, arrows must be what? Shaped and sharpened, right? On Solomon's day, they didn't have sporting goods or Bass Pro shops. Right, where you can walk in and buy a bow and arrow, right? Or arrows, right? They, 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 they were handmade. Handmade. And had to be carefully shaped, sharpened, and fashioned. Well, children are the same. Listen, listen fathers, God has placed our children into our hands, into our care, into our lives, right? And we are to sh- carefully, carefully shape them and sharpen them. It just doesn't happen, okay? It just it doesn't just happen. You you gotta be involved. Now I want you to write this down, Proverbs 22, 6, and we covered this in our series in the book of Proverbs. And by the way, this is not a promise, this is a principle. Amen? It's a principle. Train your child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not what? Depart from it. That whole phrase, train your child in the way that he or she should go, is one word in Hebrew. It's the word hanak. Say hanak. It means to stimulate. The taste buds, right? So what he's saying here, okay, what Solomon's saying in the book of Proverbs is, so the ultimate way, okay, is to stimulate your child's taste buds for God when they're young, so when they are older, they will have a thirst and hunger for God and the things of God. Amen? Write this down, Ephesians 6, 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And Paul writes, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, say instead, bring them up, say bring them up, here we go, in the training and instruction of the Lord. You guys get that? Right? Solomon says in Proverbs 22, 6, train your child, train your child. Ephesians 6, 4. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of who? The Lord. So, so the words train, training, instruction implies work, right? Come on, Right? It's, it's going to take time, dads. It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. Okay, this is not an option. It's a command. It's a calling. It's a commitment. We are to be involved in shaping, right? Shaping, forming, instructing our kids. You see, kids don't grow into straight, sharp arrows by being left to themselves. They don't. It takes diligent effort and quality and quantity Time, okay? We're not raising mushrooms that grow overnight. You guys with me? We're raising olive shoots, olive trees, that, and that, that takes time, okay? It takes watering. It takes weeding them. It takes feeding them, right? Pruning them on our part to bring them up in the training of the Lord. Follow me, follow me. We shape them and sharpen them as we teach them God's word. We shape them and sharpen them through words and deeds, right? In other words, they need to hear it on our lips and see it in our lives, dads. 
So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Aim the arrows. Say that. Arrows are shaped and sharpened for what? To be aimed and released. Got it? To be aimed and released. And you see a, a arrows left in the quiver. By the way, the quiver is the pouch that holds them, okay? Arrows left in the quiver or arrows shot in any which direction are of no good. No good. In fact, it could cause harm if they're not carefully aimed. Now stay with me here now. We need to see the potential in our kids and shape them. Shape them and sharpen them and then aim them. You guys with me? In the direction God wants them to go and then release them. That's the point. You see, the point of raising our children is not to keep them for ourselves. Do you guys get that? Okay. But to dedicate them to God, to train them, instruct them by his word, and then launch them and release them and shoot them out that they would be bright burning arrows in this dark world to make a difference and a lasting impact to the glory of God. Amen. So fathers, train, instruct, and shape, and sharpen them, aim them, and shoot them out. Shoot them out to be witnesses in this world and soldiers for the kingdom of God. Say the construction, the protection, satisfaction, the provision, the instruction. Number six is the jubilation. Say that, the jubilation, the joy, the joy. Verse 5, blessed or happy are those. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now remember, a quiver is what? It's the pouch that holds arrows, right? Okay, so in essence, uh, if you have that many kids, you will quiver, I guess. I don't know, right? right? But, but here's Solomon, what he's doing. He reveals the joy children bring to the home. The man who has his quiver full is a joyful, happy man. So he says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Then he says this, they, the parents, the parents, say the parents, will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. So what Solomon is saying, he's saying, Solomon is saying, children who embrace the ways of God and live their lives for God will bring joy and honor to their parents. And their parents will be able to speak publicly with joy and pride regarding their children. Amen? And you see the principles instilled in the children are revealed in the lives that they live. Doesn't it bring you great joy when you see your kids who are living for the Lord? Amen? And it does bring great sorrow when you see those of your kids who are not living for God. There's just such a joy when you see the ones who are living for the Lord. And that's Solomon's point, that we would not be put to shame. Amen? Now, as we wrap this up, I said it'd be short and sweet so you guys can move on with your day. I need to say this. I realize, I do realize that some children stray from the teaching and admonition of godly parents. 
Some were raised in godly homes and still choose a path of sin. Still choose or have chosen a path contrary to the teaching and wishes of the parents. Right? Now, some may stray. But I believe they will find their way back home. So we got to pray for them. We got to pray for them and pray for them and pray for them that they would come to their senses. Just like the prodigal son. Because, listen, dads, it's all about God and family. That's, that's the most important thing. It's all about God and family. That's not secondary, that's primary. God, say God. And family. Let's praise him. He's worthy. Amen. Let's all stand.